This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport fan network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win... Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Right, welcome back to uh, the Chelsea Fancast Friday night preview show. I am, of course, Stamford Chidge. And uh, in lieu of no opposition view, because of the uh, the disappearance, the non-existence, the uh, basically the downright rudeness of the Wolves fans for not actually providing somebody to speak about the game this weekend, I don't care because we've got something much more interesting to talk about. Uh, because a little while ago, and I'm ashamed to say uh, a few weeks ago, because I should have got to this much sooner, uh, but uh, um, the the publisher of a fantastic book uh, called The Top Ten of Everything Chelsea uh, winged its way to me, and uh, it's written by somebody who I, I've long admired as a writer uh, because I've written I've written I've read uh, two of his I think best books, which are Kings of the King's Road, which is about the the wonderful kind of late sixties early seventies side, and the uh, other one is A Serious Case of the Blues, which is written about the eighties, two uh, decades very close to my heart. Uh, anyway, he's very kindly come along to speak to me about this new book, The Top Ten of Everything Chelsea, and he is Clive Batty. Welcome, Clive. How are you? Yes, fine, thank you. Uh, good to be on. Thanks for having me on. Absolute pleasure, my friend. Now, um, you know, we'll talk about the book, obviously, in a bit of detail, but, you know, first things first, tell me how you became a Chelsea supporter. Ah, uh, well, um, I think maybe I have to thank Brian Moore, partly, because I was about eight in seven or eight in 19 early 1970 and for a couple of weeks i did support manchester city because i seen an england match and they had little francis lee up front it was like he played a bit like a child so i was i was mad about him when i found out he played for manchester city i mean this sounds quite late but back in those days there wasn't so much live football on tv so it was harder to get into I, i i was more interested in playing football with my chums than actually watching it and then I came across by chance. Well, anyway, my father told me don't support Man City. They're, they're miles away up north. We'll never, we'll never go and see them and uh, it'll be a waste of time. Try, why not support a London club? So I was mulling them around. 
And he did take me to a QPR game and we saw Rodney Marsh, but that was in the second division. So, you know, they weren't that, that great. Um, and then I came across the big match and they were showing QPR v Chelsea in the sixth round of the FA Cup, 1970. And it was such an exciting match on this mud heap at Loftus Road. And um, I'd heard of some of the Chelsea players like Peter Osgood and Charlie Cook, and just to see them. And Brian Moore was so excited about this game. I mean, it, you can find it on YouTube. He's sort of screaming his head off. Osgood got a hat-trick. And so right from that instant, I was, I was mad about Chelsea. And of course, you know, a couple of months later, they won the FA Cup. So I, you could call, say I was a bit of a glory hunter. I, I, you know, I adopted the team and they were doing well in the FA Cup that season. Yeah, I, I think in some senses, Clive, we're, we're all glory hunters to a degree. I mean, there are so many people of my generation who started the supporting the club in 1970 when we won the Cup. So I think uh, we're all guilty of that to a degree. I, not myself. My, my journey into it's a little bit like yours, actually, because I, I lived nowhere near London. And uh, Dad took me to Stamford Bridge in 76, actually, to see the, the semi-final between Southampton and Palace. And I just... I just kind of fell in love with the ground. And then, thanks to Brian Moore and the big match, I fell in love with Ray Wilkins and that wonderful kit. And here we are today. So I kind of know what you mean. Yeah. Well, I was fortunate. I was living in... We lived in Uxbridge, so it's easy, easy to get up to London to um, to see them play. I used to go with my father and then with some school friends um, standing in the shed. Yeah, marvellous stuff. So, yeah, I remember that team, the one you talk about very well, because obviously we dipped a bit in the sort of mid 70s but then that that promotion team was very exciting all the young players yeah much loved team I, I went to a wonderful do a few years back when some friends wrote a book uh, on Eddie Mack and uh, they got most of that team back and assembled on the stage it's one of the best nights I've ever had at Chelsea actually so it's brilliant brilliant era beloved by many um so here we go I mean I know you've written some books as I said I absolutely adored the Kings of the Kings Road book which really brought that era to life or the, just before the one we were talking about and then of course Another favourite era for people of my age, which was the 80s. Um, this book is a, is a very different one, but I, I'm going to ask you a question before we get into that book as well, which is, I mean, what inspired you to write about Chelsea in the first place? I mean, obviously you love Chelsea, but, the, the, you know, not everybody who loves Chelsea ends up writing about it, do they? No. Well, um, I'd worked for the... I was editor of the club magazine oh. um, in the Ken Bates era. Previously, I'd been working on that it wasn't like a full-time job but um it was it was a lot of the freelance journalism i was doing was based around that and i was writing for other football magazines then that um folded before he sold the club to roman abramovich um so i was a bit of a loose end and a friend of mine was starting a a small publishing company and he, he suggested doing a book about chelsea when they launched and they only did three books that year, and Kings of the King's Road was one. And so we, we knocked around a few ideas, and um, he said, you know, it's such a, a well-loved team, and it was such a glamorous time with all the sort of pop star involvement and the actors going to watch them. So that the book is not just about the the team, but also sort of the environment at the time, you know, the, the, the heady 60s, the, the King's Road. So I, I interviewed people around the team, some sort of, people who worked who knew the players because they, they worked in restaurants and this sort of stuff or in the fashion business so but it was mostly about the players and they gave such fantastic interviews i think that's what made the book really uh, appealing to people because you know they're very just very open and frank and you know lots of funny anecdotes and even involving dolly birds they called them this sort of stuff 
proven past muster now. There were a few sort of dodgy episodes, but nothing really terrible. And a lot of drinking going on, obviously, in sort of drinking dens after the pubs had shut, when perhaps they should have been tucked up in bed. But, um, you know, they were just a sort of very interesting team. And, and so that, that was my first book. That was the first book I'd ever written, apart from a little quotes book, which I did for another publishing company about Chelsea. And also I did a Josie Mourinho quotes book, but I don't really count those as proper books. They're just like little stocking fillers. I think they're still around. Plug, plug. I think I've got them, actually. I, I'm pretty sure yeah, of that. Yeah. I, I try and buy, you know, practically every book that I can find that's written about Chelsea. But I know what you mean about that Kings the Kings Road team. I mean, I, I was too young to really watch them play, but uh, I've been so lucky. I've interviewed a lot of that that team and, and they're very approachable and they have a connection to the club still today. And I agree with you. I've heard many a story from them. Funny enough, nearly always involving air stewardesses or air hostesses. Yeah, they, were, yeah, they particularly like those. I well, they were travelling a lot. I mean, they went to some extraordinary places. That was another thing on these club tours. Yeah. They loved going to the Caribbean, of course, because that was like a real holiday. But also they went to El Salvador when there was a, a civil war going on, bizarrely. Yeah. And they, they went to Iran during the time of the Shah. I mean extraordinary trips that yeah. you know most most clubs wouldn't consider doing th these days at all yeah you know they would love to come to america and in the far east you know a bit, a bit dull comparatively so they had fantastic stories about these these um post-season trips as well which were mozambique was another one that that was another place where a war was going on you know tanks on the street what on earth was the team doing there get them out of there <laughs> Haiti. They went to Haiti as well, which Ron Harris described to me as like the worst place he'd ever been to. Brilliant. Absolutely Just to play brilliant. one match. Yeah. But it's so Chelsea, Clive, in a way, isn't it? And I, it I, is. mean, I mean, I, I think I'm right in saying that Chelsea were one of the first English sides to actually do a, a like an overseas tour. They went to South America, didn't they, in the 20s or something? I think it was, yeah, around 1929. And then they played a lot of matches against Brazilian and Uruguayan, I think, opponents, maybe Argentinian as well. Yeah. And there were a few sort of bust-ups on the pitch because they, 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 those teams didn't like the English style of tackling, which was you know, very physical. Yeah. So, But I think they were away for two, two months on that trip. It was, but you're right, you know, Chelsea have always been quite a sort of innovative and club, maybe not the most successful back in those days, but they, they, you know, they were the first team to wear numbers on the back and the first team to fly to an away match domestically and all this sort of thing. They've always been interested in sort of breaking boundaries yeah absolutely who says we've got no history i don't know um right so uh let's talk about your book the top 10 of everything chelsea which interestingly enough i think really taps into what we've just been talking about which is history and, and miscellany in a sense but you know what what was the idea for it how did it come about well as you just said you know i'm, I'm interested in the history of the club but you know rick lambert did a very good book about the you know the, the, the chronological history mm -hmm. or they didn't quite write it in a chronological way and i just thought maybe make some, some, some of that information stuff that I know in a sort of more accessible way. And I used to do a top 10 column for, for the club magazine. So, so some of those sort of popped up again. And I just thought, um, this is sort of dip in and out book. You know, you don't want to sit down and read it all in one go, but you've got top 10s on all sorts of uh, different subjects. And it's not just lists, you know, there is writing and sort of like, I give my reasons for why, you know, some of the, some of, some of the categories. For example, like, I don't know, and also I wanted to sort of provoke debate. So an example is maybe um, the best of the European players at Chelsea. And I spent days mulling over, is it Hazard or is it Zola? And uh, I think they were, they were the clear top two, but you've also got Peter Cech and Ungolo Kante. I mean, that Di Matteo, 
you know, the, the list is endless, really. We've had so much Kullet and Hasselbank and Robin and so many great players from, from Europe. In the end, I, I plumped for Hazard as, as the best one for his sort of winning more trophies in a way than Gianfranco. Um, so that, that was really the thinking, just to, to just to sort of do a, a sort of fun book, a bit bit like a miscellany, but a bit like a history as well, you know, all mixed up together and in this very sort of accessible format of top tens of everything. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got to say, Clive, it, I, I think, you know, you talk about zeitgeist and things like that, but it absolutely. I mean, I mean, the number of times I've, you know, friends in the pub or even on, on the fan cast, you know, we, we, we in our WhatsApp group or, or on Twitter or whatever, we often talk about, you know, I mean, I remember we did one recently, actually, inspired, no doubt, by an absolutely awful performance. What are the what are the worst, you know, top 10 worst performances of Chelsea ever that we've all been to? And of course, I think a lot of this, funnily enough, is inspired by the fact that there's an awful lot of supporters now who think that the club, uh, you know, did actually start in 2004. So we're we're always very keen to recall some of the really dark stuff from the late seventies and the eighties, you know. But that's the point. I mean, it in a way, it's it, it it touches on everything that we talk about, are passionate about, and and are engaged with in football. And I think in in that context, this this book's brilliant because it, it captures that. And it, there's something in there for everyone, isn't there? Really? Yes. And also, uh, you mentioned like worst games. I did want to include, you know, not too many, but maybe 20% of, of things that uh, are not so positive on, the, on, on that side. So I have got uh, a category of worst ever defeats. And, and the biggest defeat was 8-1 at Wolves. But bizarrely, just about 18 months before we won the league championship in 1955, got absolutely hammered up there. And uh, Wolves also talking about as we're playing Wolves, you know, we, they should have a fan here to to to, to celebrate these. If only, wins. if only. I remember them beating a seven-one Molyneux in about seventy-four, uh, a relegation season. Um, but one I particularly remember was six-nil uh, at Loftus Road on, on the plastic, two days after we'd lost four-nil at home to West Ham with a team that allegedly was going for the championship, yeah. and it's. I think a lot of Chelsea fans will remember it. Black Easter, I call it, yeah. because it was over Easter. 10-0 on aggregate. And unfortunately, Eddie Nizvesky got injured and the not-so-good Steve Francis was in goal for those two games. Mm-hmm. So, but talking about, you know, but generally the book is, is more on the positive side, looking at the, the best bosses, uh, the top hard men, the, the best nicknames, uh, the best women players and, and the best wins the women have had, because they're, they're a fantastic team now. Um in fact, I was quite keen to put Millie Bright on the cover, but then we won the Champions League, so she got replaced by Cesar Aspilicueta. Sorry, Millie, with with the champ holding up the Champions League, um, and also sort of quirky things like the uh, the top ten ex Chelsea players who are now pundits. I went I went for Pat Nevin as number one uh, because I think he's he's very insightful, very intelligent chap, and he, his own book is actually. Excellent. I don't know if you've had a chance to read that yet. Uh, not only that, Clive. I, I I interviewed him about it, and and he's one of my he's you know my favourite era of the club is the eighties because that's when I started really getting into it. And mm. him and Kerry are probably my my two favourite players of all time, really. And I I mean I can't tell you the delight I had on interviewing Pat about that book, and it is a brilliant book, as you said, apart from everything yeah. about Pat. Cheech. J.K. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chich, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. 
the thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep, NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow, great. Uh, But yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you. Thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy. I could cry. <laughs> Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea! Footballfancast.com So, um, so it's, it's a bit of everything, really, and I've got stuff by the, you know, from the fans, the, the, the best songs, the most amusing chants, um, quirky stuff like the, the players with the best tattoos, um, scandals, just sort of pretty, pretty much everything associated with Chelsea is in there. The, the top 10 rivals, that's a, quite an interesting subject, I think, because everyone has a different view on that. I think most would agree it's Tottenham at number one, but then is it Man United next or Arsenal? And I chucked Barcelona in there as well, because we've had so many of these high-profile meetings with them. It's become a really intense rivalry. Maybe it's drifted off a bit in the last few years. And there was a good comment from... Lionel Messi, which I put as number one in comments about Chelsea by uh, opposition people. He said, there are people at Barcelona who hate Chelsea more than Real Madrid, which I thought that's an incredible thing to say when you you think of the the antagonism, not just in sporting terms, but political terms between Real Madrid and Barcelona. Well, it's a quote that many of us know. I mean, it's funny. It's really funny. You know, I I wrote that because, I mean, there are 77 categories. And when I said there's something here for everybody, I I wasn't joking. And it's really funny because I mentioned uh, rivals and uh, pundits, uh, you know, in both. I just picked out a few kind of things that Mm. really tickled me pink. And actually, the rivals one is, is... is absolutely spot on. I, I, funny enough, I wrote an article about it before, not about the book, but about rivals before the Leeds game last weekend because there's an awful lot of supporters now who can't understand why we have a rivalry with Leeds United because, in a sense, the last 30 years, they've become a bit of an irrelevance in that respect. Mm. But it's very, very true that they are. And yet you're right, you know, 
there are many people who completely can understand why why Barcelona are are, are probably a big rival now because of what's happened in the last you know 15 or so years so I love that I mean that's the whole point you're absolutely right about the book it completely and utterly uh, provokes debate doesn't it and you know in a sense as I was saying a minute ago that it's universal right you know we all have these conversations but what I love about your book it's clearly also very personal because you've sat there and I, I don't know how you've done it, how you've come up with 77 categories. So there's a huge amount of personal kind of interest in there, isn't there, in terms of your own judgment about what, what would qualify as a top 10? Yes, but to be, to be honest, at the beginning, I felt, you know, these are just my personal opinions. Is, is that so great? I, I did really want to put together a, like a jury of 12 fans and for them to decide and, and to choose. But in the end, I, I turned against that idea because I thought it, it, it's, it's going to be quite a lot of work for them and I haven't got any money to pay them. And um, <laughs> it would just get a little bit fiddly and, and the arguments would go on. It would just be too time consuming. So, but I'm, I'm very open to people um, having their own opinions and um, I'm not really that involved on, on Twitter and that sort of thing. But um, they, they could probably contact me if they really were that desperate. But I would say more, just buy the book, read it and, and discuss it with your, your, your friends in the pub or, or at school or um, in, a, in a workplace environment on a boring day at work, whatever. Because you, you will have your own opinions. And, it, you know, it's not the Bible. I'm not saying that these are the definitive um, one to ten in every category. And it's, it's good that people have their own opinions, which undoubtedly they will have. I absolutely agree, Clive. I mean, and in a sense, that is the point, isn't it? Because you know, it's a good reminder, I think, that uh, that football is 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 grey. It's not black and white. It's nuanced. It is all about opinions. And I, and I, do you know what? One of the things I love most about this book is is exactly that that it's a complete antidote. I mean, you just said you're not really involved with Twitter, and and I congratulate you on that because everything on Twitter is always cast in a very black and white way. I'm right, you're wrong. That's the end of it. And of course, it's rubbish. Football. If, if football isn't about opinions, then what is it about, in a sense? Well, I think that's very true. Yeah, and we all go to the match, and if it's um, you know a, a two-all draw, say, some people think, well, that was not a bad result. It wasn't a bad performance. Other people were booing at the end, yeah. you know. But we may have come from two-nil down to draw two-two. So on the on the face of it, you say, well, that's not a bad um, performance. But you know, thinking about the first half or whatever, everyone has a different uh, view. And, you know, the odd thing, though, about Chelsea, I find, is that even in those seasons when we have been particularly rubbish, we've always come up with some sort of result that makes that season memorable. Um, for example, that terrible season under Mourinho and then um, Hiddink, when we stopped uh, Tottenham winning the title. <laughs> That's right. 2-2 at Stamford Bridge. That is just so typically Chelsea. And, you know, we, we kind of gifted... Uh, Leicester did it on their own merits, of course, but to, to play that role even in a, in a dire season like that. Or when we, I remember when we got relegated in 78-79, one of the greatest ever games I went to was when we were 3-0 down at home to Bolton with 15 minutes to play. Clive Walker came on as a substitute and, and turned it around in, in a sort of a nanosecond. We, we won 4-3, one of only three home games we won all season. But still something that, you know, can still give you sort of goosebumps when you think about it now. Wasn't that Sam Allardyce's finest hour? I think, yeah, he, he got the winning own goal. That, that's another top 10, top 10 own goals. <laughs> I believe that one's in there, but nothing can really um, top Stephen Gerrard at uh, the Millennium Stadium, Cardiff, with the, the equaliser in the League Cup final. 
when he was about allegedly about to join Chelsea. Well, I remember it. I was there, and I remember at the time everybody was saying that was his first goal for Chelsea. Really? Yeah, I mean it was a bit harsh because as an own goal, it wasn't it wasn't right. You know, top, you know, twenty yards smashed in. It was it just sort of flicked off the top of his head, but it, it was a vital goal. And of course, we went on to win it that that day. That's right. Right. Uh, last question on the book, uh, Clive. I mean, you've got seventy-seven categories in there. But out of all of them, what's your favourite top 10? Ah, well, um, I thought you might be asking me this. Um, and I was inspired by this one when I was watching uh, TV during the, the pandemic. And at the bizarre sight of Glenn Hoddle, dressed as the grandfather clock, came on the TV on The Masked Singer. And I thought, that has got to be a category. Um, sorry, not as... Tell, I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask you that again, because the... the... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I live on a very busy road where there's lots of police activity. Okay, right. So uh, just pick it up from, I've just asked you the question, what's your favourite top 10? Yeah, well, I'm going for a top 10 unlikely TV appearances. This is not players turning up on a question of sport or um, matches a day. It's uh, Chelsea associated figures appearing in, I mean, there's so many of these programmes now, aren't there? Sort of what you might call reality TV. Uh, but the most bizarre one was Glenn Hoddle on, on The Masked Singer. Uh, you saw this, this character prancing around, dressed up as a grandfather clock, singing um, Rock Around the Clock. And he was eventually revealed to be Glenn Hoddle. And I just thought, he could never have imagined this when he was England manager or Chelsea manager. In 20 years' time, he'd be, well, dressed as an idiot, a lot of people would think. But he obviously enjoyed it. And it's lovely to see him back on TV after his heart attack. Again, I don't know if people have watched that programme on BT Sport. It's excellent about, about Glenn Hoddle. And um, so I had like, and then Teddy Maybank, not so well-known striker of the 70s, was on Blind Date a few years after he'd left Chelsea, famously. And Dennis Wise on I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. So it just appealed to my sort of, you know, sense of fun that um, you, you have these Chelsea figures appearing on TV, not doing anything connected with, with football. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think in a way that sums the book up perfectly because it really is from the sublime to the ridiculous, with the downright quirky thrown in. And, I, and, and like you, I'm a real sucker for the, for the quirky ones. But I think it's important also to have, you know, the really big stuff in there, like the best Premier League goal, but you know, best European play. You know, you name it. You, that's what everybody normally talks about. But I just love the way that you throw in these really quirky ones. And I think you're right. I think that one is arguably the quirkiest of the lot. Um, so how do we get your fine book, Clive? Oh, well, I believe it's on somewhere called Amazon. Ah. You can get two pounds off. I mean, it's, it must be in some shops, if bookshops still exist, but people <laughs> aren't, aren't really going out much these days. So I suggest getting it on, 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 on a website. Other websites selling books exist other than Amazon. I don't want to give them a particular plug as such. And... Um, I think it's fourteen ninety nine normally, but as I say, you get I think I think you get three pounds off from from certain um, websites. Yeah, I think uh, I don't know if it's, you can get it in time for Christmas, though. Unfortunately, I don't know how long they take to deliver, but it, it should be in uh, Waterstones and uh, other other bookshops. Yep, I don't think you'll find it in the club mega store because some of the categories they won't like, like top ten transfer flops, most of which were bought during the um, Abramovich period. But Danny Drinkwater is number one. Yes. Well, I was going to say, I mean, I, I, the, the other one, that I, that reminds me of the Nightmare debuts, and it's a shame that Saul probably, you know, came after the cut, really, didn't he? I'm making notes this season <laughs> in case there's a, a paperback version. This is a hardback, by the way. It's a nice hardback with, with some colour pictures. 
Yeah. Uh, but if there's a paperback, things like that will get in. Yeah, he's, he's had a, bit, a couple of nightmares, hasn't he? A bit unfortunate. But at least the manager acted swiftly and just took him off at half time. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I think we need to give him a chance. I mean, there, there must be a decent player in there, but we haven't really seen it yet. I, I think the decent player is, is the one that stayed in Madrid, actually. But there we go. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit concerning. When you think we sent out on loan Conor Gallagher and, and Billy Gilmore, particularly Conor, who's been absolutely fantastic this season. It's it's very frustrating, but that's Chelsea. If nothing, he could well be young player of the year. I, I think Conor Gallagher. Yeah, I, 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 he's fantastic. The scenery comes yeah. back, the better. I mean, Clive, it is an absolutely lovely book, and as you said, the hard hardback edition's got you know it's beautiful uh, photographs in it as well. I mean, there is something for everyone in here, as I absolutely said. And as Clive was saying, it's uh, it's fourteen ninety nine or there or thereabouts, probably a bit cheaper on Amazon. And I think with Amazon, if you order it quick, you'll probably get it because they're pretty good at turning around things in a day or two. And if you can't do that, go. Okay. To, yeah, go to a bookshop uh, like Watson's and buy it, you know, in the flesh as it were. But I do commend it to everybody. It's absolutely fantastic. And uh, Clive, it's been an absolute delight talking to you about it as well. Thank you so much, David. Really enjoyed it. And uh, any plans for another book in the in the coming, you know, year or so? Well, I have done, uh, I am actually doing a, a slightly similar book, um, which I, I won't mention just yet, for the same publisher, Pitch Publishing. And I'm, I'm hopeful of doing a book about the World Cup. So I, I did books about the three previous World Cups, sort of like a preview books, looking at all the teams. And But will it go ahead? What was COVID? <laughs> I don't know. Well, there is So, um, yeah, I, I'm hopeful of doing a World Cup book uh, next year once the draw's been sorted and we know precisely who's won the playoffs and everything. Yeah. Is, is the other one a Chelsea book? It's not a Chelsea book, but it, it's, uh, it's about a, 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 a team that a lot of people like uh, who are also Chelsea fans. Bit of a clue there. OK, well, we'll look out for that one. Uh, and, yeah. and Clive, I wish, you, I wish you all the best of luck with that one. I wish you all the best of luck with this one as well, obviously. And uh, enjoy the rest of the season. And thank you so much for coming on tonight. No, it's been great. Thank, thanks, you, thank you so much. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times.